the rebel priest. Real convos, shifting culture and creativity. Thanks for joining us here at the Rebel Priest Podcast. It is episode eight. It's hard to believe it's episode eight, friend. I, I remember starting January the 4th. Did I say January the 4th? Yeah, that's where my mind's at. July the 4th. My mind is sideways today. We're going to get into that in a minute. So glad you're with us here. As always, be sure to check out our episode sponsor, Fast Lane Auto Repair, Clinton, Tennessee, TJ and Haven Barber. We got a new sponsor as well, Helpable. Their website's coming soon. They are a new launch company dealing with helping people take care of medical costs. It's a really cool program. It really benefits the benevolent. The seniors, those that may not be able to afford certain health care benefits or services, Helpable is there for you. More information to come on them soon. Again, so glad to have you here. Episode 8. It's kind of funny that it's episode 8. I've been trying to get the bee to sit down with me. and Well, the bee is a little more administrative than me, LZ. Yes, the bee is a little more, how do I put it? Uh, she likes things to be in a certain order. And hey, and no problem there. I love for things to be in a certain order as well. But, you know, she's like, babe, if you want me to be on the podcast with you, I need you to send me a pretty good outline. And most of you guys know outlines are good. But LZ, well, I'm going to have an outline. It's just not going to look as quite as detailed as the bee needs. I'm working on that. But next episode, episode nine, it's going to be LZ and the B. Me and the B, we're going to be doing another episode together, diving in a little bit deeper as to what it's like to be in a blended family, what it's like to be in a ministry in a, in a blended family, but what it's like to lead a ministry in a blended family. There's all sorts of chatter and talk around this and that, that and this. I assure you, friend, the move of God that's happening right now in the land, this is that. There's something happening where people are just, they're hungry. This episode's going to be a little bit different because this week's been a little bit different. May of 2022, I had the privilege to meet a guy named Kai Rich. All I can say is when you meet Kai, it's like you've known him your whole life. He wanted to be baptized. So a group of guys, we met up on the top of a mountain. I believe it was an old feed store that was there, hardware store, country store. And he pulled up in this truck, and he comes around the backside of a, of a buddy's truck we were standing next to. He shook hands and introduced himself as Kai. I never knew that day would be the day that it was. 
You know, most of the time when we have encounters, we don't realize in the moment the encounter that we're having with a person may be something that's deeper. I mean, think about it. How many people are in your life that the first time you met them, you didn't know they were going to be in your life like they are? But they're, they're there. That That was Kai. He was one of those guys that I wasn't expecting. Matter of fact, I'm the oldest of three boys, and my youngest brother, Tyler, which I'm sure some of the listeners, you know my brother, Tyler. He was, a, he was an awesome guy. He loved to take things to the edge sometimes. And he, unfortunately, lost his life in a tragic motorcycle accident. It's been right at about nine years ago. Uh, this past July 4th was nine years. And so when you go through something like that, you, you carry that. You understand what that feels like. You, you can't unlive it. You've experienced it. It is an absolute in your life. But it's what you do with the tragedy or the trauma afterward that really makes the difference. Now, I told you this was going to be a different episode, and it truly is because there's no fluff. There's no facts about trauma. I'm not even going to share a mental health moment today. I just simply want to share my heart with you. So my friend Kai was baptized in May, and we quickly developed a friendship, a brotherhood. I've, I've been able to witness a lot of cool things in my life, especially my spiritual walk. And I've been able to experience people that encounter God. They have an experience with Yahweh. Their life changes radically. Not so radical that everybody is like, oh, no. Um, there's nothing good anyone can do in their sight because they're so holy. No, what I'm talking about is they begin to radically live for Jesus in such a way. Their prayer life is in such a place. Their 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 obedience to, to, to respond to heaven is so fast that they get caught up. They get accelerated. That was Kai Rich. I'll never forget about a month after I had met Kai, we hadn't talked maybe maybe a dozen times in, the, in that first month. But something interesting happened when he called me that day because he began to share with me a dream he had had. And in the dream, he said that he and I were a part of a military unit and that we were getting ready to reach a doorway. And he said he heard the words, five-man stack. Which when I think of a five-man stack, I think of a a breaching crew that's going to enter into a room with guns blazing and flashbangs and all the good stuff. And he said, I also heard I was supposed to be your shoulder. I said, okay. He said, what do you think that means? And we prayed through some things and we came to a conclusion about who we were to be for each other. A Jonathan David scenario, if you will. It amazed me because he began to come to me and say, hey, this morning when I was praying, I heard Holy Spirit tell me this. And it would be verbatim, word for word. Something specific the Holy Spirit had spoken to me within within three to six months prior to him telling me this. Now, you say, well, what does that matter? Well, what it matters is you'd have to know who Kai Rich was. 
See, Kai didn't talk too much about the old man of Kai Rich. He talked a lot about the friends that he had and that he had made through the years. Kai would rather tell you about how he's redeemed, set free. Kai was not one to wallow in self-pity. He was one that really had a hunger and a thirst, not just for righteousness, but for purity of heart. You see, Kai Rich was diagnosed with a very rare cancer, clear cell sarcoma. And once he had, he had made a decision to follow the Lord, he was baptized. We came up out of the river that day, and someone asked to see if the tumor was still there. And I'll never forget, he turned around really quick and he said, hey, it doesn't matter if it's there or not. This wasn't about the tumor. I knew right then he was serious. He meant business. He realized that it was never about our life here. But it was more about what lies beneath, beyond, or after this life. Now, friend, I'm telling you this story because Kai was diagnosed with this, and he took it like a champ. Being so rare of a cancer, they don't have much treatment. And what they do have is still, in most cases, experimental. But Kai was given a helpmate in his wife. And I watched them as a married couple endure hardship. And as I became closer to Kai, we spent time together traveling on the road, going and playing music and speaking and going and setting up in town squares and worshiping Yahweh in the middle of a city. Late night worship nights in Muscle Shoals, Alabama going downtown, eating pizza at midnight with a bunch of drunk college kids and just telling them how much Jesus loved them. See, Kai was the guy that would literally give you the shirt off of his back and the shoes off his feet, as long as it wasn't his flip-flops. It was funny because I saw the boy wear tennis shoes a handful of times, and most of the time he was wearing his boots or he was wearing his flip-flops. You see, there's a a time in our lives where people like Kai come into our life and radically change how we see ourselves. Kai and I spent some time together in November with my wife. We were on the road in Arkansas. We flew into Dallas to meet him because he had been out in Texas with his wife to do some consults with a medical group. And when he picked us up in Dallas, I could tell he was tired. We got in the truck. We started toward Arkansas. and He fell asleep in the passenger seat. There was no way I could wake him up. But he had begun to play a certain album on his phone, and unfortunately his lock code was, was a password that I didn't know. So for three hours I drove. <laughs> I drove from Arkansas to Texas listening to the same album over and over, and it was okay listening to it the first time, but the second and third I could have passed on. But I say that to say he's the kind of person that if he trusted you, he would hand you the keys to whatever was in his life and he would just let you go with it. Why? Because he didn't hold on to earthly things. 
we were on the road together in March. We had done a youth conference in Arkansas. We were coming back, and we took a little detour to go to Blyville, Arkansas, which is up in the northeast corner, and visit some friends, Caleb and Abby. And it was on that evening drive up, he was experiencing some pain, and the medicines just really couldn't quite cut it that night. And I remember he shared his heart with me about really what he wanted in life once he was healed. And he had a vision. He wanted to be a part of this project where we were going to put together a shower trailer, go city to city, letting the homeless bathe, giving them new clothes, medical attention, live music, food. He shared his heart about how all he wanted to do was just reach the community, help those that were in need. We got into town that night in Blyville, Arkansas, and we bedded down. He was in his room. I was in mine. And I remember thinking that night, what kind of, what kind of man would traverse the southeast telling people about Jesus staying in hotel rooms, bouncing around from town to town, what kind of man would do that and be joyful? A David, a man after God's own heart. You see, I was fortunate to have Kai in my life for 16 months. I wish it could have been 16 years. I've met so many people over the last several days that have been in Kai's life for a long time. Some of those people, I look forward to watching them grow into young adults. Some of those people have had a full life, and they tell stories of when Kai was little. Some of those people are my age, and I'm very fortunate that I will get to spend my life and have them in a part of mine. You see, Kai didn't treat me like a friend. No, he treated me like a brother. He told me, he said, when I came around the back side of that truck that day to be baptized and was meeting you guys, I shook everybody's hand, but when I got to you, he said, I heard this voice say, this one's your brother. Treat him as such. Friend, he did that. Kai had some issues relating to the medicines that he was being given to try to combat the illness. And the doctors made valiant efforts to fix or resolve some issues. And unfortunately, his body was just, it had just been, been given a really hard, really hard hit. They sent Kai home from the hospital. And he was at peace. He was surrounded by family. There was a sweet presence in his home that stayed and lingered there. Angels, ministering angels, were in the room. He went home to be with Jesus. He's in eternity, and he's rejoicing 
not because he left earth, but because he's standing before the creator of all things. But friend, I'm going to tell you, I've had to really dig deep in the last few days and really kind of look at myself and think about and think about what this really means for me. I've had to dig deep and really look at things and say to myself that this is a reality. I've had to look at myself in the mirror and allow myself permissions to grieve and to cry because sometimes we as men, we're wired to think we have to keep that stuff in. It can come out later. No, friend, we have to deal with our emotions in a moment. Sometimes it's good to be strong in a moment, but you also have to give yourself that moment to sneak away. I want to encourage you, if you've been through that sort of trauma where you've lost someone tragically or if you lost someone through illness and you, you kind of saw it coming, ask the Lord to, to help you grieve if you've not grieved. Grieving is a very important thing, friend. Grieving is what gets us through the moment of hurt so that we can have a moment of joy. You know, it's one of these things that caused me to think. It's one of these moments that caused me to realize rejoicing can be done with tears. Grieving can be completed with laughter. We have to be careful that we don't get into a mindset of what our emotions should look like. Just like praise songs aren't always fast and worship songs aren't always slow, sometimes we grieve through laughter and sometimes we rejoice through tears. Either way it goes, friend. It's important that we talk about, think about, and actively live out what that person left in us. You see, when a person leaves us, they de they've already deposited something in us. And you hear people say all the time, I feel like there's a void in me, a hole in my heart. A lot of times that can be filled with what grows from what was left in us by them. You see, they're planting a seed inside of us. They're leaving us with something deposited so something has to grow. How many times do we lose someone and we really, we don't live out what they've invested in us? Let's not waste an opportunity. If you have an opportunity, and I, I pray that, friend, that's far and few between where you have the loss of a friend or a family member. But if you have to go through that sort of thing, Remember, being true to yourself means you have to give yourself time, room, space to cry, to laugh, to talk, to be silent. And you can't force it. It may come in waves for a couple of weeks and then a couple of months. But one day you will find yourself. One day you'll find that you can think about it without tears. You can laugh about things without feeling bad. You can recall stories without the entire room melting down. It's a process. Friend, I'm going to tell you, Kai Rich will forever be one of my best friends and a dear brother. 
I can't put into words what he did for me. But I can tell you this. I will demonstrate fruit from what he has invested into my life because that's how I will honor him. If there's somebody in your life that's doing that for you right now, they're investing into your life. I'm not speaking about finances. I'm talking about with wisdom, with love, with time. Friend, don't look past them. Make sure you hug their neck today. Tell them you love them and you're grateful for them today. Because the word says we are not promised tomorrow. The word says that it is appointed, it's appointed for all men to die, right? So friend, don't put it off. Call them up, text them up, send them a message. Don't wait, don't wait. Kai Rich will forever be memorialized on this podcast. There's already things that we're talking about just to keep the legacy of Kai Rich moving. Don't forget to look at the one to the left and the right today. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're glad they're there. It's been a great episode. I hope it's not been too down, but I had to share my heart with you. I had to let you know what Kai Rich means to me because he's one of the ones that blew wind into the rebel priest cells. And he said, hey, I dare you. And I did. And I'm grateful for every moment that he and I spent together. Come back next week. This was episode eight. Eight means new beginnings. I'm very curious at what adventures around the corner, my friend. Next week, episode nine, it'll be me and the bee. You want to listen to that one. We're going to be talking about value systems. I'll probably talk about Kai a little bit more then because he taught me my value. See you next week, friend.